Before you sit down, if you'll bear with me, I promise I'm not going to read all of Acts 10. We'll summarize a little bit, but we will hear some scripture. Um, What's happening in the opening of this chapter in Acts 10 is that we have been introduced to a God-fearer named Cornelius. Now, when the text calls Cornelius a God-fearer, we're just to assume that he's living a faithful life, that he's praying, that he's giving alms to the poor, that he's doing the best he can. But Cornelius is a Roman centurion. He's a Roman officer. One day while he's praying, the Lord sends him an angel. And the angel comes and says, you need to send to Jaffa for a man named Peter and have Peter come to you. So Cornelius does this. And as he sends some servants to go get Peter from Jaffa, Peter one day is waiting um, for lunch to happen. And he's getting a little tired. And so he goes up on the roof of the house where he is and he falls asleep. And while he's asleep, he has a dream. And in this dream, he sees a sheet lowered from heaven to earth. And on the sheet are every manner of hooved animals and unclean animal things that Peter should not eat. And he hears a voice say, take, kill, and eat. Peter, being a good Jew, refuses and says, of course not. I would never eat anything that I see here on the sheet. I never have. And the voice comes back and says, what I have called clean No one should call unclean, take, kill, and eat. And he has this dream three times. And then he wakes up, and he's confused by the dream, and he's thinking it through. And the Holy Spirit says, go with three men who have just arrived to get you, to take you to Caesarea to see a man named Cornelius. So Peter goes. And on the way to Caesarea, he hears all about Cornelius from these servants who have come to get him. And he gets there, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. Um, in Acts 10, 23 through 38. So listen to this portion of the story of God as it is written in the book that brings freedom. They arrived in Caesarea the next afternoon just before 3 o'clock. Cornelius had anticipated their arrival and had assembled his relatives and close friends to welcome them. When Peter and Cornelius met, Cornelius fell at Peter's feet in worship. But Peter helped him up, saying, Stand up, man. I'm just a human. Talking things over, they went into the house where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who had come. Peter addressed them. You know, we Jews considered a breach of divine law to associate, much less share hospitality with outsiders. But God has shown me something in recent days that I should no longer consider any human beneath me or unclean. That's why I made no objection when you invited me. Rather, I came willingly. Now, let me hear the story of why you invited me here. Cornelius said, four days ago at about this time, mid-afternoon, I was home praying. Suddenly, there was a man of light in front of me, flooding the room. He said, Cornelius, your daily prayers and neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. I want you to send to Jaffa to get Simon, the one they call Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner down by the sea. I wasted no time and did just as I was told. And you have generously accepted my invitation. So here we are in the presence of God, ready to take in all that the Lord has given you to tell us. Peter exploded with good news. He said, it is clear to me now that God plays no favorites, that God accepts every person, whatever his or her background, that God welcomes all who revere him and do right. You already know that God sent a message to the people of Israel. It was a message of peace, peace through the anointed, who is the king of all people. Peter then goes on to give a testimony of the entire gospel, the life, the the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And when the Gentiles that are gathered at Cornelius' house hear this, they receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And they all begin to speak in tongues. And when Peter and the Jews that are with him see this and recognize it, just as it had happened to them, Peter says, is there any reason why we wouldn't baptize these people? And no one disagrees, and so they're all baptized. The story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Thank you for bearing with me. I know that was a long one. I want to invite you this morning to imagine a mountain. Uh, Before you go to some pretty place, some picturesque mountainscape, I want you to just imagine a single mountain that's a barrier. It's an obstacle. It stands between you and someone else. I want you to consider those, that mountain to be one of those divisive issues that separate us from other people. One of those divisive issues where everyone on one side of the mountain seems to be resolute and certain. Now, can you see that? Can you see that on either side of this mountain is a base camp? And each base camp is full of people who know they are on the right side of the mountain. Whatever issue comes to mind when we think of that, we could add them all up in here this morning. Put them together, and that's the size of the mountain that faces Peter and Cornelius. Culture, ethnicity, religion, purity, politics, economics. All of these things stand between Peter and Cornelius. It's one huge mountain. Now, this summer, we're supposed to have been going through the biblical stories, examining the biblical characters to see how they listened to and heard from God. And as we look at Peter and Cornelius this morning... To look for that, I want us to stay in the shadow of the mountain that stands between them. And I want us to keep what came to our mind as the mountain issue for us. I want to keep that in the back of our mind as we look through this story. As we settle into the shadow of those mountains, I see three clues in this story. Three clues that point me towards questions that I should ask myself To determine how I'm hearing from God. Those three questions are very easy. They're basic. They're who, how, and what. The first question is who. To whom am I listening? Whose voice is it that I'm hearing? We learn from this story that God is not passive. God takes action. God's will is revealed by God. Look at all the things that God does in this story. God sends an angel to Cornelius. God sends Peter a series of three visions. God has Cornelius send Peter three men to get him. When Peter wakes up confused, God sends the Holy Spirit to tell Peter, I know you're confused. I want you to go with these three men to see this guy, Cornelius. And then when Peter goes and everyone is obedient and they declare the gospel, God sends the Holy Spirit on the whole assembly. God takes action. God's will is revealed by God. We also learn from Peter that we can't trust our own sources by themselves. Not even our religion. Peter was a good Jew. He had observed kosher law. He had not eaten anything that he shouldn't have eaten. Why not? That comes from Torah. Peter was following laws that are written in the scripture. He was doing what God told him to do. His religion told him not to eat those animals. And then he receives this vision that says, eat these animals. So his religion by itself wasn't enough. Now, I want to stop here for a moment and point out that God is not contradicting God. That God had written these rules, these laws into Torah. 
about what to eat and what not to eat. And now it seems that God's kind of changing God's mind, but that's not what's going on here. N.T. Wright uses a, a great picture for this. And the picture is that of a child who wants to cross the street to get to his mother. And the mother, seeing a car coming to the child, says, stop. And after the car has passed, the mother looks to the child and says, come. And the child gets to the mother. The mother didn't contradict herself, saying stop at one moment and come the next. The important thing was the child's safety, always. But the goal was always for the mother and the child to be together, always. So there may have been a point where God had to look to the people of Israel and say, stop. I need to keep you safe. But the goal was always for God to unite the people with God. So God's not contradicting God in this story. But God is asking Peter to look beyond religion, to look beyond the law, to look beyond the Torah. Now, these things, religion, Torah, the law, they're not bad things and they're not to be discarded. God doesn't say they're not relevant. He doesn't dismiss them. He adds to them. He doesn't look at Peter and say, I want you to see beyond your religion and I want you to see beyond your law. God looks at Peter and says, let's look, let's add to our religion. Let's add to our law. Let's take the story that you know, the law that you have learned, and let's add to it some revelation from the spirit. It's not one or the other. It's all of it. The story, the law, and the spirit existing in tension with each other. And when we do this, we keep our religion, our law, and the spirit in tension with each other. We're going to be led into considerations that are beyond our comfort zones. And that's what happens to both of these guys. Cornelius was a Roman centurion who listened beyond his station. He listened beyond his own ideas, his religion, his culture, and his comfort zone. And he winds up hearing directly from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Peter was a devout Jew who was asked by God if he could listen beyond his culture and his religion and his comfort zone. And I have to remember that. I have to remember that God is active and that God has something to say. Can I hear it? Who am I listening to? And if the first question is to whom am I listening, I think the second question I learned to ask from Peter and Cornelius is how should I listen? And very simply, the answer to how should I listen is gradually and obediently. Now, I'm not saying that lightning bolt moments in our faith don't occur. I think they do, but I think they usually come at the end of a progression. God's will is typically understood over time and through experience. It's not usually just one aha moment. It's usually a series of aha moments. Look at all the things that happened for Peter in this story. Peter's understanding is gradually unfolding as we go through this. Before the story even started, Peter had witnessed three epic events. He had witnessed the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And he comes into this story, and he receives a dream. That dream is repeated three times. Then he sits there and has to reflect on the dream because he's still not sure. And then three men show up to get him and take him to Caesarea. The Holy Spirit has to come and encourage him to follow that. Then he hears of Cornelius' God-fearing character all along the road to Caesarea. He receives Cornelius' hospitality. 
And then he asks Cornelius, why have you sent me? And when he hears, why have you sent for me? And when he hears the answer, then he gets it. It's not one moment. It's, it's that clarity comes in the living, as David says. Theologian, you might have seen this quote in your bulletin. Theologian Robert Wall says it this way. The process of getting on the same page with God is frequently confusing, profoundly dependent upon others, and takes considerable time. A gradual progression of understanding the will of God through a series of experiences stands contrary to the way of the world. The world seeks immediate answers. It wants people who are certain. It wants immediate gratification. We're so busy that we need to be certain about everything. And we need to follow people who are certain. So I need to say that this comes gradually, but I also need to say to myself that there's something else going on here. It's not just that Peter and Cornelius accept gradual listening. They also do something else. They're obedient. I should listen gradually, accepting that it's going to take time, patience, and persistence for me to sink with the will of God, but I should also listen obediently. In this story, God asks Peter and Cornelius to do something they don't completely understand. In essence, asking them the question, can you obey completely without complete understanding? And they both do. They both obey the instructions and accept the invitations that are given, even though they don't yet get it. And look what happens. This is a tough concept for me to grasp. My Western brain doesn't get this. My Western brain wants A plus B to equal C before I take my first step. I want to know what I'm getting into. I want to prepare for every possible eventuality. This doesn't come easy to me. But I still have to ask this question, am I listening obediently? Can I take steps forward toward others even when I don't understand? How should I listen? Gradually and obediently. So after asking to whom should I listen and how, how am I listening, the third question is what am I hearing? That is, does what I'm hearing sound like God? Is it consistent with what God has revealed? Is it consistent with the story of God? To measure the consistency of what we are hearing, we must listen to a larger story. We have to know stories besides our own story. There's an apocryphal story of C.S. Lewis as a child that he went into his father's office one day and declared, Father, I have a prejudice against the French. And the father, being intrigued by this statement, says, oh, really, tell me why. And C.S. Lewis says, I don't know why. If I knew why, it wouldn't be a prejudice. And that's really the truth here. If we only listen to our own voice, if we only listen to our own story, we're going to come up with some bad ideas. If we keep things in check against other stories, our bad ideas become fewer and farther between. To be blunt, if we're going to compare what we are hearing from God to the biblical stories, we have to know the biblical stories. Peter knew them. Peter was able to reference what he was experiencing against what he knew from the Bible. Peter knew in what we call Genesis 12 that God had promised Abraham that he would bless all the families of the world, not just the Jews, all the families of the world through Abraham. Peter knew that. 
Peter knew that Zechariah 14 prophesied that all the nations will one day go together to celebrate the Feast of Sukkot for eternity. All of the nations, not just the Jewish nation. Peter had walked with Jesus and knew from Jesus that salvation comes to the world from the Jews. Peter had received from Jesus himself a new commandment to love one another. That the world would know they were Jesus' disciples by their love. Not just so the Jews would know, that the world would know. Peter knew these stories and he was able to take what he knew with what he was experiencing, what he was hearing from Cornelius, and finally get clarity. Through God's patience and guidance, he was able to put all of those stories together with his story and see the consistent message. And at the moment that he does, in verse 28, he declares, God has shown me I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So I can't just ask, to whom am I listening and how am I listening? I also have to ask, what am I hearing? Now, these questions, they're not easy to apply. Remember those mountains that we thought of this morning? When I think about the mountains that stand between me and another person, or me and another group of people, I can get really overwhelmed. And I tend to give up and just accept the mountain as just the way things are. Sometimes it's really tough for me to see the people and not the mountain before us. Sometimes I find myself on top of the mountain and I just kind of run back and, back and forth across the, the peak depending on whom I'm around. If I'm around the people on one side of an issue, I sound like them and I talk like them and I act like them. And then the next week you might catch me around people on the other side of the issue and I sound like them and I talk like them. And I just wear myself out going across the top of this mountain depending on who I'm around. In moments like that, I need to ask, to whom am I listening? Sometimes I just can't understand. No matter how hard I want to make sense of an issue or get rid of a mountain, I can't think my way through it. I can't come up with the solution. And in moments like that, I have to ask myself, how am I listening? Can I continue toward another person, toward a loving relationship? Even when I don't understand, can I do it? Gradually and obediently. And then there's times where I find myself way too comfortable on one spot on the mountain. I find a nice perch with a good view and a story that I like to hear. And I just get really comfortable there. And I'm just listening to that one story. And I'm just getting that one perspective. And in those moments, I need to ask, what am I hearing Am I getting other stories or am I just getting one story? This is what I learned from Peter and Cornelius. To ask who, how, and what. To whom am I listening? How am I listening? And what am I hearing? These questions help me to see the mountain for what it is. An obstacle that needs to be removed. It's not my job to simply tolerate both sides. This isn't about tolerance. Tolerance is not what Cornelius was looking for. He was on one side of the mountain, and he wanted to the other side. N.T. Wright describes him as an outsider with his nose pressed against the glass looking in. Cornelius didn't want to be tolerated. He wanted to be welcomed, forgiven, healed, transformed, and adopted. Tolerance is too small of an idea. This, this mountain is a barrier between me 
and someone else, and it shouldn't be there. I'm not called to tolerate the mountain. I'm called to move it. As hard as that may seem this morning, we are called to move mountains, to remove those barriers that stand between us and loving relationships with other people. Don't get me wrong. I find this just as overwhelming as you do. It seems impossible. But the good news is we don't do it alone. We have each other. We have the spirit. We have Peter and Cornelius. On our side, we have the one who made the mountains. And we have a rabbi, a savior, a brother, and a king who said, with a mere kernel of faith, the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move and it will move.